Well, don't clap yet. <laughs> wow, what, a, what an overwhelming experience so far this morning, amen? The worship is just so powerful, and it's a tribute to the Lord who has raised up so many wonderful, wonderful people that volunteer. You know, we don't pay our players or our singers here at, at Pathway, um, they, they volunteer of their own volition and serve the Lord in that way, and it's just such a, uh, a wonderful setup to, to the Word this morning. Um, yeah. That's why I want the altars to be open uh, the entire time during the Word. Um, I was just sitting there thinking, it's much... Ooh, I shouldn't have looked at you. <laughs> It's much more important, I believe, to God for, for us to be in His presence than to learn something. Uh, I think all the learning and everything we'll ever need comes when we are in His presence. Um, and so uh, being in His presence can't, doesn't just happen at the altars, but that's one place that it can happen. And I'm already this mic. I've never worn one of these either, so forgive me. Um, my name is Randy. I'm one of the pastors here at Pathway Church. And it's a joy to be bringing the Word of God to you this morning, and please understand uh, the weight and the seriousness in which I take this moment. Um, it, it was evident in the preparation. Uh, God took me in a lot of different directions, uh, broke my heart in some ways, and uh, I'm just hoping to communicate to you what He's given to me, and uh, we can take that journey together this morning. If you're watching online, um, take that journey with us this morning. We're, we're grateful you're here with us. First, thanks to my wife, Jamie. And uh, yeah. And um, my daughter, Emily's here with my son in law, Sam. And if you don't know a lot about the Millers, uh, we've been here. We're in our 13th year here at Pathway Church. And, uh, and, Thank you. And uh, we, we have three children. They were in fourth, sixth, and eighth grade when we got here in 2008. And now they're all grown and out of the house. Uh, two are married. And uh, Zach is uh, married to Cassidy, and they are in Ohio at a church. Zach is a worship pastor at a church in Ohio. And uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's awesome. He's doing great. And um, Riley is our youngest, and she is um, in nursing school here locally and killing it. And, um, and then Emily and Sam, of course. Emily's our middle daughter, and Sam, they're married. They live here locally, and we're praying for what God has next for them as well. But um, this is great. So you ready to dive in? All right. I might be wearing these periodically. <laughs> I haven't tested this with the mic yet. I'm not sure how this works. Okay. So this morning's uh, message is called Good Connection. It's called Good Connection. Um, despite of what the marquee said, it's Good Connection because um, we're going to talk about the deep connection that we can have with the Lord in corporate worship, together in corporate worship, and connection with each other for a deep community. Okay? So... Um, we're going to be in Hebrews 10. So if you want to turn to Hebrews 10, you can do that now. Um, 
God is a God of relationship, and you're going to hear that a lot this morning. God is a God of relationship, so connecting with Him and each other is so vital and important. We'll learn more today what He designed His creation to be, that He designed His creation to be in relationship with Him and with each other. That was His design. And if, if you're an introvert, don't freak out right now. It's okay. It's okay. If you're introverted or if you're a full-blown introvert, it's okay. Connection is still for you. Um, and, I, and I wrote, I, I believe God gave me this, introverts need community as much as extroverts need solitude. Okay? So you need to be in con- connection with others. That's how God designed us. Even if it looks a little different than maybe an extrovert, you still need that. And believe me, as an extrovert, that looks a lot different. Um, Stanley Grenz, uh, he's an author uh, of a, theolo- a book of theology, and um, it's unique because this book of theology is all based and rooted in relationship, in the, in the idea that God is a God of relationship. And so he says this in a portion of his book that I love, in our common life, we are to seek to be a true community of faith, manifesting the community bond in corporate worship mutual edification, and outreach to the world. Isn't that good? That's so true. People desire community because we all have an instinct need, instinctive need for community and to connect with others. Connecting is necessary because God's design was for us to be in relationship. The opposite of being connected is what? Disconnected. And we, won't, we don't want to be disconnected, followers of Christ. We want to be connected with Him and with each other. Um, so Hebrews 10, we're going to start in verse 19, but let me set this up real quick. To summarize chapter 10 of Hebrews, the Jewish Christians of that day are basically being reminded that Jesus Christ opened up a new way, right? He opened up a new covenant, a new plan, and the ritualistic sacrifices and offerings that were are no longer necessary because Christ took that on himself. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. God desires an ongoing relationship with His creation. That's us. Couched in this overall truth is a powerful passage that we're going to read in a second. Confirming the connection, believers can now walk in with God and with each other in community. And then after that, of course, comes the hall of faith in chapter 11, which we all know. Hebrews was written no earlier than 60 A.D., so about 60 years after Christ resurrected, and no later than 70 A.D. Most scholars believe Hebrews was likely written by Paul, but they're not for sure. And then translated from the original language to Greek by Luke, possibly, which is kind of cool that they kind of collaborated on it. But um, some theologians believe that uh, Barnabas might have written it, Apollos, even Priscilla might have written the book of Hebrews. So we're not really sure. But we know it was a converted Jew and a second generation believer who undoubtedly enjoyed a good education. Hebrews is also considered one of the epistles. Epistle means letter or series of letters. That's all it means. So if you hear the word, it's a churchy word. So if you hear the the word epistle, that's all it means. Letter or series of letters. And Hebrews is considered one of the epistles like Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians. Even Romans is an epistle. It's a letter to the church. Um, So having said that, let's dive in. Hebrews 10, starting in verse 19, says, Therefore, brothers, 
since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is what? Faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So this word connect, which that passage is all about, by the way, connecting with God and each other. Connect is in our discipleship pathway. So connect with God and others in our weekend services. Grow with God and others in discipleship relationships. And serve with God and others at Pathway and beyond. But we're going to focus on connect with God and others in our weekend services. The Webster's, this is for you, Dr. Smith. The Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines connect. Brownie point. No, just joking. <laughs> it's, it's not like that. Um, <laughs> says to knit or link together. That's cool. To tie or fasten together as by something intervening or by weaving, winding, or twining. This is good. To join, unite, or cohere to have a close relation. Connecting with God and each other in community is huge. It's huge. So we'll be pulling out four keys here. And so here's what we're going to do. Four keys connecting us to God in corporate worship for extraordinary faith and each other for deep community. Keys connecting us to God for extraordinary faith and to each other for deep community. So first, let's pull out of uh, verse 19 through 21, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, we see a mandate there to enter, don't we? Enter in. Enter with what? Confidence. Enter with confidence. Don't enter wishy-washy. Don't enter, eh, I don't know. I'll enter anyway, but I'm not so sure. We're to enter with confidence. What are some things we'd want to make sure we are entering into with confidence in life? What are some of those things? Maybe a job interview? Yeah. Marriage? <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe a test. Maybe you're a student and you have a test. You want to be confident. You got to know your stuff or you're going to fail. Uh, maybe a big game. Maybe you're a bench warmer and the starter gets hurt and you have to come in you have to go in the game and you haven't been in the game that much. You gotta have confidence, right? Or maybe you need confidence when you enter that procedure that some 50-year-olds have to go through. <laughs> that, I, that I went through recently and it shall be remain unnamed. Uh, but I wanted that doctor to have confidence, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Our son Zach was born. We were young. We were young. And uh, we had zero confidence. I mean, we, we were like looking at each other several times thinking, 
are they really going to let this human being go home with us? Is that really a good idea? Um, so we did it, and God did it, and we didn't have a ton of confidence. Then Emily came along, and our confidence raised. It was a little bit, we had a little bit more, but still not that. We got this. We were still like, oh, two, now what, you know? And then when Riley came, we felt good. We felt like we, we, we felt good. We still, in many ways, did not actually know what we were doing, but we had confidence that we could do it. We had confidence that we could enter into parenthood well and boldly. So, did you notice the verse is already assuming we have confidence? I mean, read it. It says, since we. It's already assuming you do. So, that should be even more uh, of an uh, employ you to have that confidence that you need to enter, right? Confidence comes from God, not us, though. Amen? It's part of our goal to be confident together, to enter in together. Notice the pronouns us and we, not you and I. All throughout the passage, God is speaking to the group of followers collectively, all of us. There's a verse in 2 Timothy. You don't have to turn there. In, in 2 Timothy 1.7, you should write that reference down, though. That's really good. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for God gave us a, not a spirit of fear, you know that one, but of power and of love and of self-control, right? He doesn't want us to be fearful. He wants us to be confident. Also, there's this sacred exchange as we enter confidently. There's a sacred exchange. It's interesting how uh, Romans 20, I'm sorry, 12, 1 and 2 mirrors Hebrews 19. Very, pretty closely. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, right? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is and what is good and acceptable and perfect. When we worship God, there is an ongoing spiritual exchange. Corporate worship, really, and corporate means together. Corporate worship really is us embracing spiritual formation together. Embracing spiritual formation together as a unit rather than as an individual, right? Glenn Packiam, author, songwriter, theologian in many ways. He's a pastor now. He wrote songs like Our God Reigns, your Name, Offering, um, and others. He used to be in the band Delirious. He, um, he made this diagram. It's, it was so transformative for me to look at us as worshipers conforming to God and then simultaneously God transforming us. We call that a sacred transaction or sacred exchange. We are conforming to his likeness. Not We're not conforming to the patterns of this world. We're conforming to him and his likeness and what his plans and his purposes are for us. And then he transforms us. His transformation comes in. And the likelihood is he's offering that transformation anyway. But when we conform to him, whew, he opens the floodgates, doesn't he? Have you experienced that? Amen. And then, then it talks about the priesthood of Christ. It says, you yourself, oh, I'm sorry, 
1 Peter 2, 5, 1 Peter 2, 5 says this, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? Together we are part of his royal family. We're part of his family. Because Christ's works, because of Christ's work, we've been offered an invitation to be adopted and grafted. And that adopted word is so important to me because I was adopted. Adopted into his family. He wants you. He wants us. He wants you to be a part of his family. He desires you to know him and follow him. Amen? As God's children, we ought to enter into this relationship with Christ boldly. The second key, draw near. Draw near with a clean heart, a clean conscience. It says in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We are challenged to draw near with faith clean hearts, clean consciences. Shouldn't that always be our desire? Corporate worship or not, shouldn't that always be our desire to draw near to God in every aspect of our lives? True heart is also translated as sincere heart. Sincere worship can reveal painful things, so many of us choose not to go there. Consequently, our worship is insincere and merely checking a religious box. Maybe that's you this morning. It's been me from time to time. I'll admit it. Drawing near can sometimes be painful because it requires vulnerability, right? But God uses that pain to connect us to him. He always uses it for our good. Remember that passage? All things for our good, right? He flips it every time. Okay, this will be interesting. How many remember the show Sesame Street? And this illustration right here is why I didn't let my wife review my message. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just going to apologize right now for for what's about to happen. Okay, one of my favorite characters was Grover. I loved Grover. He's kind of a blue dude with really gangly arms. You know, it's kind of kind of like that sign in front of a used car, car lot. You know, that's Grover. Well, I learned the difference between near and far from Grover. <laughs> remember, remember you? <laughs> Couldn't find a video, so here we go. He said, near, far, near. wow pastor you said you were taking the message seriously you said it was weighty and you just did Grover (laughs) wow so the, the, the thing is that's not what God's talking about God's not talking about proximity location nearness although we can do that, we can, we can have that sense. He's talking about a spiritual nearness, right? 
Words like closeness, safety, companionship. That's the drawing near that, that God is talking about. One of the best ways we can draw near is through worship. It just is. The evangelical church's statement says, the chief um, purpose of man is to worship God and to love him forever. Because see, when we worship and love him, the discipleship part comes up. And some say, well, we're to make disciples. Well, yes, we're supposed to make disciples. But that comes out of relationship with him. That comes out, and we go into deep relationship with him when we worship him, when we understand him more, and we get in his word, and we worship him through his word, and through prayer, right? So corporate worship means together worshiping. So we're going to dive in just a little bit deeper into drawing near. Uh, Worship means ascribing worth to the one who is worthy. You've heard that before, right? Ascribing worth to the one who is worthy. Psalm 95. I won't read it all, but I'm going to read some of it, okay? Oh, sing to the Lord, sing a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the what? The nations. Tell His marvelous works among all peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. And then it says, ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord. That means give Him credit for. Tell Him that it it originated with Him. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Draw near. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. There's a stool there. There's a C.S. Lewis quote that I didn't put in my, uh, but I'm going to read it. C.S. Lewis says, It is in the process of being worshipped that God communicates His presence to men. That's what drawing near does. Amen? And then there's this idea of worshipping in spirit and in truth. Right? It's all about authenticity and balance, really. Uh, The S is small in that passage. Spirit. He says, uh, Jesus says to the woman at the well, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. It's, it's, a, it's a small S for us. It's our spirit. It's our soul. It's the spiritual side of us worshiping in truth, in the reality of who He is. And in truth, often I, I often see it as authenticity. Are you being real? Do you really believe it? Do you really think it's true? Are you really worshiping God in truth as well as in spirit? And then 
Lastly, in, in, in this idea of drawing near, I would just want to say, this is, a lot of this obviously is from a worship pastor heart and a worship pastor perspective, but God's word calls us to be participants, not spectators. Right? Yeah. Worshiping is a two-way street. He's not worshiping us, but he is, again, transforming us and doing things and speaking to us and ministering to us while we are unabashedly lifting up our praise to him. I love this psalm. Oh, and and it's a dialogue, right? It's not a monologue. It's a dialogue. Psalm 73, 28. Write that down. Psalm 73, 28. says, But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Isn't that beautiful? The third key, and I got to fly, is hold fast. The verse says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Without what? Without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Powerful connections to God and each other happen when we hold fast to our beliefs. Be careful not to slowly fall into unbelief. The enemy wants you to do that. He wants to slowly chip away. And oh, by the way, this world wants that. Have you noticed it? Chipping away. Chipping away, right? Be careful. If it creeps in, our connection with God and each other stagnates and remains shallow. If we aren't holding fast to God and each other in community, we are exposed and unprotected. And we are stronger together. Moral relativism is marching forward. We have to cling to God and His Word and who He is. Amen? Hold fast. Hold fast literally means a thing that takes hold, a catch, a hook. I love that hook. And it's not like you're a fish on a hook. That's not the same picture I want you to see. I want you to see, man, I'm hooked on God. Like, you know what? He's got me. I, I just know who he is. I love him. And the rest of my life, yeah, I'm, I'm going to serve him. I'm going to worship him and love him. That's the kind of hook Hold Fast is talking about. You're hooked. And it's reciprocal. Listen to this verse in Psalm 91, verse 14 and 15. This is God speaking. Because He, you, holds fast to me in love, I will deliver Him. I will protect Him because He knows my name. When He calls to me, I will answer Him. I will be with Him in trouble. I will rescue Him and honor Him. God's holding fast to you. How much more should we hold fast to Him? And then the last point in holding fast would be to hope hope no matter what. The least we can do is stay fixed on Him, the author and perfecter of our faith, and hold fast to His promises. I'm just going to read a little bit of the lyrics from a song called Hold Me Fast. It says, When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never 
keep my hope through life's fearful paths. For my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. Amen? Yeah. God is holding fast to you. And the last key to extraordinary faith and a deep relationship with God is stir up. It says to stir up. I was going to bring a bowl from the kitchen. I was going to bring like a spatula, which I probably held like three times in my life. <laughs> Just to be honest. Uh, I can cook a mean pumpkin pie though. Uh, it says, and let us consider how to stir one another up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Making a difference in others' lives is all a part of God's plan for us to be connected in relationship with Him and each other. We should consider, as it says consider in there, consider how He uses us to mix in love and encouragement towards others. Even this morning, how can you love and encourage somebody? This morning. This is not an instruction for extroverts only again, by the way. You don't get to, to ignore this one, introverted people. All of us can uniquely connect with others. There was a, uh, there was a meeting of pastors that was formed by the Mansfield City, Ohio City of Pastors called the Mansfield Pastors Ministerium Meeting. And I was a young pastor, and it was my duty to go to, go to these meetings and to meet with these pastors and pray and listen and talk and, and share with one another. And it was the most boring thing I've ever done in my life. I know I'm not supposed to use this word, but I hated it. I did. I just, it was a long drive. It was like a half hour drive for me. And I just, and you go and you're just like, ah, and you just want to go be more productive elsewhere. You know what I mean? Until God smacked me over the head and he said, Randy, maybe you're supposed to encourage some of those pastors in that room. Maybe you're supposed to love on someone, one of those pastors that's hurting and is struggling and has lost their way maybe even. Maybe they're in a small church and numbers are dwindling and they're discouraged. Maybe they have health issues. All kinds of things. And it turned my whole perspective around to start to love and encourage those pastors in that meeting because it wasn't for me. And when I needed it, and that day eventually came, they loved and they encouraged me. So I'm just going to read a few verses, and you can write down the references. I haven't put them on the slides, but John 13, 34. You know it well. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. Colossians 3.14. after listing several attitudes and behaviors. And above all these, put love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Right? Encouragement. This is up in our break room. 
here at the church in the Pathway Break Room. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. There's a little song Steve Green used to do. Encourage one another and build each other up. Build each other up. Build each other up. And then it goes up, 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 up. They should have me go do that in the children's ministry, right? Uh, and then 1 Corinthians 12, 25, 26, that there, be, there may be no division in the body. I'm going to say that again. That there may be no division in the body. That's God's heart. Amen? But that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. Amen? If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Amen? There's also this idea of meeting together. It's been a challenging in the last year, but it is God's heart for us to not uh, live life in solitude. So all I'll say, uh, there's this verse in Genesis that kind of tells us that it's not good for us to be alone. There's kind of that. Um, in some ways, connection is even harder today maybe than ever because of COVID-19. While in-person interaction will always supersede digital and electronic interaction, find creative ways to connect with each other. Try to connect. Try to find ways to connect. Because remember, it is not good for man to be what? Alone. And the devil wants us to just, just sit in it and get lonely and, and just let it eat away at us. No. Find creative ways. And for us that, that are not in solitude, that could reach out and encourage them, find creative ways to encourage those that are alone and in solitude, right? Right? The verse in Acts 2, 44, 46 and 47, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. The early church. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the number day by day to those who were being saved. It is God's plan for us to be connected to each other in community. And lastly, this is the backside of Hebrews 10, and I'm going to read it, but I would challenge us to stir up and don't shrink back. Stir up and don't shrink back. It says, for yet in a little while, this is starting verse 37 of, of chapter 10, yet a little while while and the coming one will come and will not delay but my righteous one will li shall live by faith and if he shrinks back my soul has no pleasure in him but we are not of those who shrink back don't you love that doesn't that make you want to run through a wall we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed but of those who have faith and preserve their souls the temptation is to shrink back because that's what the enemy wants you to do. But we cannot shrink back. We have to stir up with encouragement and love and connect with each other. So again, the four keys. Enter in. 
with confidence, right? Draw near with a clean heart, clean conscience. Hold fast the confession of our faith and stir up, stir up with love and encouragement to those we are with and together with in worship. These are the four keys that will lead to extraordinary faith and deep connection and relationship from Hebrews 19. Here are some things to ask yourself. When corporate worship happens, are you entering into God's presence boldly? Are you entering in boldly? Are you a participant or are you a spectator? When was the last time you allowed yourself to draw near and experience God's presence? He's been waiting for you. He's been waiting. And he'll keep waiting patiently. What are you holding fast to? What are you holding that is keeping you from worshiping God in freedom? And living out your faith with others. What's that thing? Maybe it's a series of things that you just can't let go of. It's just always been in the way. It's always been there. I can't get rid of it, Pastor. Yes, you can. Let him have it. And how might you connect with someone this week to stir up love and encouragement? can be a co-worker, can be a family member, a friend, can be somebody from Pathway Church. Maybe you know of someone who hasn't been back since COVID started or been back very sparingly. Maybe you can connect with them. Maybe you can connect with someone who's hurting. You're fully aware they're hurting. You know they're in a bad place. And all you'd need to do is just reach out in some way, a text, a call, an email, whatever. Who are those people in your lives? Well, I'm going to pray, and uh, the worship team is just going to sing a corporate worship song. It, it matches up thematically because it's just worshiping Jesus Christ which is what he wants us to do with each other, with each other. And the altars continue to be open. And I would encourage you to go if the Lord's been working on you in a certain area. And we'll pray with you. Someone will pray with you or you can pray alone. So allow the Spirit of God to show you and convict you of what you needed to hear this morning and what you need to do about it. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. You're so good to us. You're so faithful. You're so present. You're so overwhelmingly good and kind. And you're so available. God, you're so available for wherever we find ourselves this morning. Might you do a work in our hearts this morning, Lord. Might you do a new thing in us today word says the old things have passed behold the new comes what is that new thing that you might have been saying to us this morning
Do it, Lord. Do it in me. Do it in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand up together and get ready to sing this to the Lord. You know, I love the lyrics of these songs, not because that, uh, not because they're super poetic or complicated or rhyme the right way, but um, just the simplicity, just that that God is holy and that He's worthy. It's just like Randy, uh, Pastor Randy, encouraged us this morning. The breath of life that God gave us. Let's use that this morning to to lift His name high and give back to Him what's already His. Let's sing together this morning. i
just sing that verse one last time. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could have. You're worthy of every breath we could ever near to you. We do it together. Hold fast to what you believe. Hold fast to the promises of God. And stir one another up with love and encouragement. That's God's church. That's you. The title of this series is This is Pathway. Well, it's not just Pathway. It's God's church. Universal. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise and we thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you're doing in this moment. Thank you for what you have done in our lives, Lord. Thank you for how you have been in Pathway Church, Lord, and in these people's lives. As we march forward together in confidence, Lord, we draw near to you. We thank you, Lord that you draw near to us when we draw near to you. We thank you, Lord, that you're here now. Your presence is here. Where two or three are, there you are. When two or three agree, the Spirit moves. And in the Spirit, there's freedom. There's freedom in this place, Lord. May we live our lives in spiritual freedom to you, God. May we connect with you and one another at a deeper level. God, show us the people we need to connect with and reach out to and love and encourage. Minister to our hearts. Encourage us, Lord. These days are not easy. But we thank you, Lord, that you are solidly and securely on the throne of the universe. We give you praise and thanks for what you've done in this place today. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. Amen. Let's give him praise. Visitors, visitors, if you're visiting with us for the first time, we want you to go out to our welcome center out here in this lobby. Say hi. We got a gift for you. And uh, give in worship as you leave. There are collection boxes on your way out. Now go and be the church. Love you guys.